Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. And now that heart is beating fast And that's the rhythm I can dance to I'm mighty glad I've got a chance to That one big heart that's beating fast Tomorrow morning let it rain Tomorrow morning let it pour Tonight we're in the groove together Ain't gonna worry about Stormy Gonna kick all trouble out the door. Beat out old trouble and trouble. Welcome to Radical Beat Australian Community Radio 3CR, streaming live on 3cr.org.au. This program is podcast. If nature calls, the bikey next door needs a cup of sugar for his meth lab. Don't despair. The program is podcast. You can access the podcast by going to 3cr.org.au. Good afternoon, Dale Bridge, your Royal Empress Dowager. <laughs> How art thou? I'm reasonably well. How are you, Joe? Good. I've just got this feeling I've seen you before yes, today, Dale. We've been busy fit. bees, haven't we? We have been very busy bees, but we won't tell the uh, listeners because they may get jealous. <laughs> yeah. Now, we do have a guest, a live guest, a real guest, flesh and blood and bones. You know how I know she's flesh, blood and bones? Because she bleeds. <laughs> yes, I kicked her. <laughs> Lainey Elaine Cruz, how art thou? I'm very well, thanks, Joe. Thanks for having me. Uh, excuse me, would you like to rephrase that? Thank you for inviting me onto the program Thank you. today. Yeah, th- this is my favourite. No, it's my worst bugbear. People come in and they say, Thank you for having me. And I'm thinking, I, didn't I can't like remember you. you. <laughs> Your face isn't familiar. What's going on? Now you behave yourself, Joe. <laughs> well, look at this microphone. It's got Brewer's Droop. What am I supposed to do? <laughs> Keep talking. All right. Now, what year were you born? Just to just to orientate, listen. I was born in 1953, January. Oh, you're just a youngster. So you're I'm a youngster. 66. You're 66. Yes. yes. Well, I'm pleased about that. I you know why? It. Because if you weren't 66, you'd be 65. <laughs> so I'm pleased. <laughs> Now, what's the, uh, you've got notes. They're banned. They're banned. They're not allowed. Turn it over. Thank you. <laughs> D- do we call you Laney, Laney or Elaine? Laney, please. Why do we call you Laney and not Short Elaine? Short for Elaine. I don't think so. It's got the same number of words, hasn't it? Uh, it's just nicer. Softer. Softer? Yeah. What's on your birth certificate? Elaine. Any middle names? Andreane. That's Great name. Are you Greek background? Uh, my father was Greek Cypriot right. and my mother was Scottish. Mm, so if your father was alive, you'd have troubles standing for election. Oh, yeah, my father was <laughs> trouble. Was we'll probably get to that. We'll get to that. <laughs> What's the first thing you can remember about being on planet Earth? The first thing I can remember is when I was three years old mm-hmm. and we were going over to Europe by boat. Really, mm. and the boat hadn't even left the uh, the shore, mm. and uh, I got into a fight with some older girls who were trying to kick me out the playhouse. 
there was like this amazing playroom with this fantastic playhouse and Mm. they said, let's not let her in there. Mm. And I was like, why? It's not fair. Did you look like a Southern European girl? Is that the problem? No, I don't think it was that. I think they were just bullies. They were just bullies. Anyway, I just remember trying to speak to these girls and they wouldn't listen. Mm. So I launched myself at one of them Mm. and bit her as hard as I could. Where did you bite her? Right on the the, the breast. I didn't mean to. You know, she could could have got breast cancer because of that. I know. I didn't mean to. Don't you feel bad about that? Uh, I think she deserved it. (laughs) (laughs) I felt my teeth meet. That's how hard I bit. And she screamed the place down. And all I remember is getting carried out of there, kicking and screaming. And being being three. And saying it's not fair. But, but. But, but. But being three, you know, you can't be charged with any crimes. No, that's no, the perfect time to be a criminal. It. I learned well, that. You, you didn't, you haven't, well, look at it, whether you've displayed any more criminal <laughs> tendencies since then. And I was banned from the, the playroom for the rest of the, the journey. I had to hang out with the adults. Oh, that's disgusting. Yeah. Now, you said uh, your dad was a Greek Cypriot, wasn't that's he? That's right. Do, yep. you, do you know much about him when he came out? or? Uh, it's a bit of a man of mystery, my ah, father. Did he have, what, two families, one in Cyprus and one mm, here, do you think? Not quite. Not quite. <laughs> <laughs> Probably a bit worse. A bit worse than that. Yeah, a bit worse than that. He was a, definitely a dodgy character. Um, right. Is he still alive? No. Oh, good. No. We can say whatever we yeah, want. He yeah, he died in Pentridge, age 35. Very young. Yeah. What, what was he in Pentridge? Uh, he know? was, uh, I don't know how old you are, Joe, but the 67, remember. 67. Oh, you would probably remember, but it was yeah. called the Vending Machine Scam. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. do? Yeah, yeah, Wow. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, I'm that old, yeah. He was the, for the brains behind the vending, so he oh. swindled a lot of, a lot of money. Do you think he was murdered in jail, or? <sighs> I've never, I'm told no by mm. associates. Yeah. Uh, you know, officially it was a heart attack. At 35. At 35. Oh, it just sounds bodgy. It the does. usual bodgy Pentridge garbage in those days. Because, you yeah. know, it was a tough place, Pentridge. It wasn't uh, wasn't easy. But I think uh, I was told people were quite nice to him because they thought they might get some money <laughs> after on, he got, got out. out. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, no, including no. the screws. Uh, yeah, well, it's the screws you have to worry about in Pentridge. Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I saw, uh, I was doing some locum work and I saw a number of patients in there in Pentridge and it wasn't pleasant. When you no. heard that clang behind you when you walked in, I can understand why your father was in that situation. Uh, didn't, maybe didn't survive. So that was 1965 when and, he and, died. And how about your mum? Is she still alive? No, and, she died. And where, where, where did she come from? She came from Camberwell. Right. Uh, her parents were Sutherlands, the Sutherlands Pickles and Vinegar right. family. Right. So what, she swept up by this handsome young man. From, exactly. Yeah, lust, yeah. lust. Yeah. Probably, yeah, she was pregnant before she got married. Marriage. Oh, <laughs> I only found that out a few years ago. Did you watch? Look at the birth After certificate. she'd gone, I yeah. looked at, yeah, no, I had my, on my birth certificate, it had mm. all the right things. Right. But I actually got hold of their marriage certificate. Oh, right. And I said, oh, it was December 51, and mm. the woman said no. Yeah. She said, here it is, 52, and I said, no, I was born in January. 53. <laughs> yeah. Couldn't possibly be. Oh, yeah.
And then I thought about it. I thought, my God, eight months pregnant and yeah. in a church, in a yeah. quite a posh church yeah. in Malvern. Yeah. Must yeah. have been a good corset she wore. Must have, must have been a big shotgun. Your <laughs> yeah. grandparents pointed in your Absolutely. father's direction. Absolutely. Did you have yeah. any other, you got any brothers and sisters? No, you I'm only. I had a uh, sister that died soon after birth. Right. So that's right. it. That's, yep. that's sad. Yeah. yeah. So what was it like? Uh, I mean, how, how old were you when your dad died? Twelve. Twelve. So what was it like being brought up by your mum? Uh, so they actually divorced before he died. Right. When she went, like, by then he'd ripped off her parents. Right. Um, he'd had a real estate agency without actually being a real, real estate, estate agent. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he'd um, sold my grandparents' house while we were overseas. Oh, he sold it. <laughs> and did he pocket the money? Uh, I think he gave, I don't know. We right. just got back off that boat, yeah, the return, yeah. and there was a message to go to an address in Brighton. Right. And my grandparents were like, we don't like Brighton. <laughs> why, why do we have to go to Brighton? And, yeah, he'd sold the house. Right. So that was a bit of a worry. Yeah, right. so yeah. I wonder, wonder if somebody put a contract out on him. 35 dying, it's mm. very unusual. Yeah, but, it's but, pretty but he sus. Was, did you know anything about his parents or anything? Very nice people. You met them, did working. you? No, but I, my daughter went to Cyprus a couple of years ago and mm. met my his, his sister, mm. met his sister and right. her children. Right. Um, quite a well-off, that family's quite well-off. His parents were... I think his father was a law clerk who mm-hmm. later became a solicitor, right. which was very unusual. He went mm-hmm. back to school late in life. Right. So, so they were Greek Cypriot, not Turkish yeah. Cypriot. No, Cypriot. no, they no, right. we don't like them. Allegedly. Allegedly. That's fair enough. You, can, you yes. don't have to like everybody. No, I, mean, I, I like them, but they yeah. didn't like yeah, them. I, I they had bad I, I experiences. Don't like, I don't, I don't like. Um, Cement gnomes, eh? we've all got a, <laughs> all got a hatred, you know, that's the way it goes. I don't like their pointy hands. But um, getting back to you, so uh, how old were you when they divorced? It's a good question. I think about five, five. or something because I remember going for the Sunday visits right. all dressed up. and What to see and, Dad? Yeah, and he had a restaurant in Carter's Avenue in mm. Turak then. Right. And so I'd often go there mm. on a Sunday for lunch and out to the zoo or something. So, so as far as you were concerned, he was a good dad, wasn't he? Yeah, I don't have any bad memories. Right. So well, that's the main thing, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's the main thing. He may have been a scoundrel and a bounder, <laughs> but as far as you were concerned, he was a good dad. And while he was alive and in jail, his, uh, he used to get his uncle to mm. sort of step in and take me on outings to the zoo and the Greek club and all that sort oh, of thing to, right. um, I can't speak a word, but to mm. take me to, I think he worked at the Cypriot Club. There Cypriot was one club, in yeah. Russell Street. That's right. Yeah, so I'd go, get to go there every mm. fortnight or to the zoo. Mm. and That's Yeah, right. so he yeah. was sort of his stand-in yeah. <laughs> representative. Yeah. Do, you remember, do you remember the Greek club bombing? No. no. no we won't go into that. That's no. another story. So we so did, were your grandparents on your mother's side involved in your... Very, very, very involved. We lived with them mm-hmm. um, and they were always close by. My mm-hmm. mother was very much um, dependent on her parents. Right. 
quite a um, a meek person mm. and always did everything her parents told her, uh, except when she married my stepfather when oh. I was seven. That was against her mother's wishes. wishes. Mm. And she did stay, to, they stayed together for the rest of their lives. So, so, so your grandmother was wrong. She was wrong. She didn't like him because he was poor and right. because he had debts from his first marriage. He right. wasn't a good, it wasn't a good catch, I guess. Oh, right. So but, he, he yeah. was poor. Yeah, he yeah. was poor and yeah. it's not to, well. It's better to be a bounder and <laughs> pseudo rich than be poor and hard working <laughs> and honest. Look, yeah. I agree with that. Which he was. You know, which yeah. he was. Yeah. yeah. He, as you know, as you know, in 2019, it's the hard working, tax paying <laughs> Australians that are the losers. Yes. You know, everybody else is a winner. Nothing That's changes. Yeah. So where'd you go to primary school? I went to Solway State School. Excuse me? Solway. Where's, in Ashburton. Oh, Ashburton, right. Because we moved from Camberwell to Ash, sort of the Ashburton Glen Iris area. Mm-hmm. Darling Station. I don't know if you know that area. Yeah, but, but, but you said he sold the house from under them. That was the one. That was, bef- yeah, no, Before. this is with the stepfather now. Of oh, the stepfather, yeah. right. No, I lived with my grandparents till round about the time I started school, cool. my mum and yeah. I, and then when she remarried, right. I went to school at Solway. Is your stepfather yeah. still alive? No, all so gone. What, what all was gone. he like? He was uh, dull, dull. <laughs> reliable. Dull and reliable. Yeah, probably about 12 years older than mum. Mm-hmm. Um, what she needed if she said she was making my That's right. She didn't yeah, need yeah. To Someone dependable looked yeah. after her. Yeah. Um, she worked, they worked for years to pay off the debts of his wife, his first wife. Oh, right. And she'd left every, she'd left the kids with him. Kids, right. <laughs> Took the daughter, left the sons. And so you had and all the debts. Yeah, that was three. What was that like? Dreadful, hideous, (laughs) awful shock. Why was that? Well, I guess because I'd been a centre of attention Mm. with my grandparents and mum. I was the centre of the universe, the first grandchild, and suddenly I had to share. Compromise yeah, all those things, everything. Smelly yeah, boys, yeah. I can't understand. It's not, not a good no, look. No, no. So, what was primary school like? <laughs> Uneventful. Um, I wouldn't. I, I didn't enjoy it till probably grade five and six. And why? Why did the uh, attitude change? I think I. Oh no, I liked the schoolwork and mm. everything, but mm. I wasn't so accepted. I think a lot of people knew my father was in jail. Oh, right. Because yeah. it was on the front page of the front page, front page of the Argus or the Herald Sun, of the, of the Sun Herald. and, and the, Herald. the Herald and the Truth. And, oh. <laughs> That is to be That's at the bottom end, to be on the front page of the truth. Absolutely. That rag of integrity and honesty, <laughs> the truth, the Melbourne truth. I know, shame on oh, him. shame, front page. <laughs> so, yeah, and so, like, no one had actually in my family had told me that my father was in prison. So I you, heard from my cousin. Your cousin? Yeah. And what do you think about that? I just didn't believe it at first, and then mm. I asked my mother and she said, yes, but we don't. We don't talk about that. that. I said, okay. (laughs) And same as when he died, I didn't get told. My cousin told me a few weeks later. And um, and then I had to ask. You know, it was in that era of you don't talk about anything. 
So you didn't have time to mourn him in any way? Or? Um, no, oh. or was he a stranger to you? He was a bit of a stranger by then. I didn't right. have any bad memories, but I'd hear, I'd over, you know, I'd overhear the conversations and okay. some of the outrageous things he did. did. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Boundrel, bounder yeah. and a scoundrel yeah. in the old-fashioned yeah. way. Yeah, especially from my grandmother. Yeah, well, yeah. Kind of, imagine if you get your house sold from under Yeah, yeah. Uh, what about um, high school? What was that like? Well, I only spent a very brief time at w- high school. What is brief? Okay, so I went to Chadston High for a year. That means grade seven. Yep. And I think I started grade eight, but I used to run away from home. Was that because of pressure of the stepbrothers? Or uh, just... I was just generally... My grandmother had died. Oh, right. I was just generally pretty miserable because mm. I used to spend a lot of time with her, yeah. um, like every weekend, yeah. every yeah. Ho- the whole school holidays. Did, did she die unexpectedly? Or? Yeah. Right. Yeah, she had a stroke. Yeah, and then uh, my grandfather remarried in indecent haste, mm. which was... Yeah, upsetting what, what, to everybody. What's indecent haste? Like really soon, well, <laughs> months. Maybe, maybe he was uh, having an affair. Yeah, he was. He was. Yeah, well, he that, was. Well, <laughs> that resolves that problem. At least I knew her. Yeah, well, yeah. I'm not here to hear the dirty no, laundry, no, but it's just coming out. It's coming out, yeah. You know, dirty, dirty shirt after dirty exactly. shirt. What can I do? It gets worse. It gets, it gets worse, does it? Oh, good. So far, I'm an innocent victim. <laughs> no, no, no. You're 13 and you're running away from home. So I used to run away from home. Um, so that's 1965? Yes. Where, where is 65, the, where, 66. Where does a 13 and 14-year-old run away in those days? So at first, it would be just a friend's houses that weren't from my school yep. that, that I knew. Mm-hmm. Then it was, I think, the next time was to lawn. Yeah. Um, lawn. How did you get to lawn? <laughs> we hitchhiked. Yeah, hitch- oh, well, everybody did in those days. Yeah. And what happened when you got to lawn? Uh, I think, we, well, we only lasted a night or two and we got pulled over, we got pulled over by the police. Right. And my parents, I wasn't charged that time. My no. parents just came and got me and right. they had a bit of a giggle. They right. were all right about it that time. Right. But the next time... <laughs> We got to Sydney. You got to Sydney. Yeah. Two 14 year olds. Uh, 13. 13, hitchhiking. Yeah, yeah hitchhiked yeah. to Sydney. Yeah. Um, what, did you go to King's Cross or something? We didn't. We went to Manly. My oh, stepbrother, right. one of the older ones, was living in Manly. Right. And so we went and stayed with him and his mother. Right. The bad mother that had. Right. Yeah. And we were there a few days. We ran out of money and decided to hitchhike back. Yeah. And we got to, I think, uh, hmm, I can't think of where Takata, it was. Takata, that's halfway. Somewhere, somewhere on the coast, oh, right. maybe Bega. Bega, yeah, yeah. Somewhere like that. Okay. But anyway, we got pulled over and we told the police we were 18. And, right. this, and you know, they're typing away. Yeah. <laughs> and I started to really get scared because this cop was very grumpy. Yeah, yeah. And I thought, what's he going to say when he rings someone and finds out? We're so, yeah. yeah, so after a bit, <laughs> I oh. said to him, can I tell you something? And he went, what? <laughs> I said, do you promise not to get mad? He said, no, I don't. Mm. And I said, I'm 13. Mm. <laughs> She's 14. Well, 
you know, so it got ripped out the typewriter. Right, yeah. Yes, and we got put in the cells mm. and we went to court later that day. Well, uh, charge vagrancy. Exposed to moral danger. Ah, yes, yes, exposed. Well, yeah. Fair enough. Because as they were getting us, we were just about to get into a ute with some tradies who said they could give us a lift to wherever they were going. Oh, I can't right, remember. But, right. yeah, so exposed to moral danger and we mm. got... Uh, take, we went to court. We got remanded to Glebe Girls Shelter mm. in Sydney, which was a really dreadful place. What was dreadful about it in 1665? Uh, it, uh, it was scary. Mm. <laughs> um, I was very young. Right. Girls were older. Right. It was the girls. There were girls there for murder, mm-hmm. for prostitution, which I didn't know what, what that meant. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I asked a girl why yeah. she, why she was there, yeah. and she said prostitution and I'd asked another girl, what's that? And she said, you know, and I said, oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> and uh, so they took us to court and the magistrate said, uh, just send them back to Melbourne. We've got enough. We've got enough. Runaway girls, there. yeah. Just get their parents to send them their airfare back to Melbourne. Yeah. Well, my friend's parents coughed up. Within days, yeah. but my parents, I was left there for weeks. weeks. Six weeks. Six weeks. Until finally I was allowed to call them. Right. And I said, What's going on? And I said, Where's my airfare? And they said, Well, we, we don't have the money. I said, What about, I've got a trust fund. Can't you get it out of there? Mm. And they said, Oh, yeah, all right. So. Anyway, I thought, oh, well, you know, so I got my first experience at flying in a plane and I was expecting to be met, you know, with a a bit of affection at the airport. Um, But no, instead, (laughs) there was my mother, my stepfather, my probation officer, who I'd gotten from my previous running running away, and a policewoman. And I was informed I wasn't going home Mm. and I was going to a convent. A convent? Yeah, the Albert Park Good Shepherd convent. A convent. convent. Yes, and we weren't Catholic. We weren't Catholic, but you were sent to a convent. Yes. So what, was this a a legal thing or was it just... I think the policewoman convinced my mother it would be a really good idea and that I was going to end up in Winlayton, which, God, I wish I had of. It would have been a holiday next to this place. So what was the convent like? Just a nightmare. What did you have to do? Uh, It was... We were in there. There was... I don't know how many of us, but probably could have been... 60, 70 girls, a whole lot of old ladies that had been there forever Mm. since they were girls, some of them, or they had Down syndrome or different things wrong Mm. with them and Mm. had just been left with the nuns. And it was just like something out of the 16th century. So what were you expected to do? We were expected, most of us were expected to work in the laundry. Mm. Um, I got to go to school, so I only worked because I was deemed to be clever (laughs) enough to go to school. I think there were eight of us went to school. school. Yep, so, but we went to school all day, then we helped in the laundry in the afternoons and the holidays and everything. And you were 14 then, were you? No, I was 13 13. for that whole year, yeah. So you were there for a year? About a year. Did you get any visits? 
you could have a visit once the first Sunday of every month. Right. And that was it. But did you get any visitors? Did yeah. your mum come? Yeah, my mum came. All right. So yeah. you were discharged at 14, were you? Uh, at the end of that school year. Right. Um, only because I started saying to my mum I was thinking of becoming a nun. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know what I was trying to work it out because you couldn't run away. You could run away, but yeah. you would get caught. Caught and you have to go back. Yes, yeah. so I decided I had to get out somehow. That she would so, be a nun, mm. and she didn't kind of approve of this. No, no. no. Well, she Protestant, was she? Yeah, no. Presbyterian. Presbyterian. Went to oh. PLC. Oh, I can imagine. Yes. All right. Okay, so what happens after that? So after that, I went home and started uh, year nine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I passed year eight. Yep. Um, started year nine at a different school. And then there I met my my a person who was going to be my future partner in crime, Lee, her name was. Mm-hmm. And we got up to all sorts of things. We mm-hmm. We... Wag school, hang around in the city. Right. Pin, um, pin, uh, pinball parlours? No, we'd go to the, there were bands on oh, yep, in yep. the city. Yep. We'd hang around Flinders Street. Right. We'd meet all the city kids. Yeah, we, we, yeah. No way were we going to school. <laughs> were you in moral danger? Probably not. Oh, probably I think not. we got looked after, you know, right. like we, we got to know there were, can I mention names or? As long as they're, they're pleasant, but if you're going yeah, to say no, negative no, things, no, 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 there was fine. indigenous um, guys, the Lovitz and the Edwards yeah. family, we knew mm. some of them, they used to keep an eye on us, various, right. you know, because we were probably at the younger end of, yeah. of those kids hanging around the city. Mm. A lot of them had been in home, boys' yes. homes and things, mm. and yeah, we just saw Sort of fitted in, mm. belonged, I mm. guess. It was and a how long did that phase of your life last for? Uh, it lasted. <laughs> well, we ended up. Um, she ended up moving in with me mm. and my parents for a while, right. and then um, I, I was told that she had to leave. And I said, "Well, she hasn't got anywhere to go." And mm. they they said, "Well, it's not our problem." <laughs> and mm. I said, "Well, if she's going, I'm, I'm going." going. Yeah. So at 14, we were on the streets. Actually, on the streets. <laughs> on the streets. streets. So that's 1965. Yes. Yeah. Uh, 67. 67, on the yeah. streets in Melbourne. In Melbourne. What did that entail? Where did you That entailed, you okay, staying awake usually at night, but not right. always. We would sleep in laundries, in outside blocks of flats. Um, we would couch surf, mm-hmm. you know, like different people would sneak us in the window when their parents were asleep, right. <laughs> things like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I ended up, she ended up going home, but I ended up getting taken in by a couple of drag queens right. who sort of became my mothers <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> and um, were very kind to me mm-hmm. and, and looked after me. That was my first experience of trans women and... Mm-hmm. They were very motherly and, mm. and very nice to me and mm. gave me a roof for a and while. How long did you live there for? On and off for a couple of months. Right. Uh, but we stayed friends. And then eventually my friend Lee le- left home again and we got a room in George Street, East Melbourne. Right. Yeah. And we were still 14 at this point. 14. Yep. Yeah. So we had no income. And the state wasn't interested in you at any stage. You weren't arrested. Never. Picked no, up. Never. No. Never. Uh, 
Yes, we were later, but but at that stage, no, no. You, you so were homeless. We, you were fourteen, and no services. We had a time. room. You had a room okay. <laughs> in a boarding house. Yes, yeah. yeah. So we we would um, just beg money on the street, a mm-hmm. um, little bit of shoplifting, right. and enough to pay our. But we'd get enough money to pay our rent mm-hmm. and eat, yep. and we were quite happy. This is from begging. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Did, did you find that people were um, helpful? Yeah. During this period. Yeah. Because was there, was there much uh, overt poverty on the streets then? No. No. Definitely not. So you were kind of unusual. Yeah. In terms. Yeah, of I'd say so. I didn't really mm. know. I mm. knew a few people that lived in rooming houses and mm. things, but we mm. lived in quite a nice one mm. in George Street, East Melbourne. We could walk to the city and yep. everything, yep. and. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so How long did that phase of your life last? For? I think about a year. About a year. So you're 15 then? Yep. So just before 15, we got arrested for shoplifting. Right. Um, from Walton's. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it was, she got, we kind of knew when we went in there that it wasn't a good place to shoplift. shoplift but we right. were, we, we'd promised a shopkeeper in the city to get some, we used to get some items yep. for him and he'd buy them from, from us. us yeah. And we could only get them there, so we were a bit nervous. And anyway, as soon as the tap on the shoulder came, we both ran, but we ran in different directions. Right. And I turned around and he'd caught her, mm-hmm. he'd caught Lee, and I, so I just walked back. back yeah. And we both got taken out to Winlayton. Mm, and how long were you there for? Uh, again, she was... Her mum got her right. out. It was her birthday mm. that week, mm. so it must have been around May. Mm. Her mother got her out fairly quickly. Mine left me there till court, mm. um, and I went to court, and I think I got put on probation again. Oh, it was just like one item or, one item, yeah. yeah, one item each or whatever. Mm. What was Wynne Leighton like in those days? Um, fine. Mm. After the convent. It mm. was yeah. It was in Winbira, which was the remand part. Mm. So uh, it was fine. It was quite easy. Mm. You got lots of TV, lots of lollies. Right. <laughs> it was you're, still, you're still a kid, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So when did things start changing for you? So um, when I came back f- from then, went back home. Mm. I. Um, Ended up meeting a guy. I'd known him for years. He was mm. a local boy, mm. um, Stephen, and we sort of started going out together. He had a, a sort of more stable home life, mm. um, and he introduced me to like good music. Okay. Um, we used to go to the pubs around Carlton, and mm-hmm. I was still only 15, but I'd be going out to the Mayfair and Peter Point and, right. and all those places. They weren't too fussy no, back then. And no. plus, she drank outside a lot, yeah. and I wasn't much of a drinker anyway. So, yeah, I was going out with him. We were, we'd go to the gay places too. Mm. Um, to Maisie's and um, mm-hmm. another place in South Yarra, and yeah, we were we were madly in love, right. very happy. Um, we got married mm-hmm. when I was seventeen. Right. I just wanted to get out of home. Well, I understand. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just turned seventeen. 17. Yeah. yeah, and he was, I think, got out of the draft because yes. he was married. married yes. Yeah, he was due to get called, called up. Yeah. yeah, and um, yeah, we we sort of. We were pretty happy for a while. We, um, by then we were taking drugs and mm-hmm. 
recreationally. <laughs> right. What type of drugs? Smoking, marijuana, mm. taking acid and, right. and stuff. Yeah. Right. Did you did you graduate to heroin? I did. You did. <laughs> Funny you should ask. Well, no. Well, there is a progress. <laughs> oh, I did. Mm. Uh, well, we both tried it together, mm. but um, he wasn't so enamoured with it. Mm. As what I was. I think I had a lot of trauma from the convent and from just, I don't know, just my Mm. life. I Mm. I didn't have a lot of self-esteem and a lot of reasons. So, yeah, I just was was really into it, liked it straight away. and Yeah, but didn't go on with it straight away. How's the time? No, we're not even. We will get there. Okay, so his father was um, very much a union man, Mm. worked down at the docks, um, and then as soon as Stephen turned eighteen, he he wasn't a warfare. His Mm. dad, he was a a tally clerk, and as soon as Stephen was eighteen, he had his name down. And he, it was like that then. Yeah. As soon as he was 18, he was allowed to work what? down there and got like really good money, yeah. but had to do the shifts and everything. Mm. And um, when I was 19, I had a little boy, Matthew, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, who's now 47. That's a long time ago, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And uh, yeah, things went along. We were very involved in the local music scene. Mm-hmm. Um, did you did you play or were you just? No, uh, but Stephen was really into his music, mm-hmm. um, so we mm-hmm. knew. Uh, I ended up working on the door at the station hotel when it first started because right. we were friends with the people mm-hmm. that were running the, mm-hmm. the music there. So very involved in the music, local music and drug scene, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And, yeah, things went quite well for another couple of years uh, until I met Peter, <laughs> who I ended up leaving Stephen for. Oh, right. Mm. And, and you had one son? Or did you I had one son, son. yes. And so obvious, right. And I lost custody. You lost custody. In the divorce. It was still... Um, That's very unusual in those days. No, it was... It was uh, Fault divorce, you know, it yeah, was it was before no fault. fault. It was before no divorce. fault. Right. So. Yeah. So I lost custody at mm. court, and um, they proved my adultery because I'd had another child by then. So by by then. the time it went to court, court right. in 1974. Four. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So how did life pan out after that? A lot of drug use. Mm. Um, what type of drugs? Heroin. Heroin mainly. Yeah. So how were you able to feed the habit? <sighs> Selling. Selling. Basically, yeah. yeah. I always got high on my own supply. Right. Okay. <laughs> it's uh, four thirty-six. This is Radical Australian Community Radio Three CR. We're speaking with Lainey Cruz, and Dale is listening. <laughs> She's all ears. Okay. So, how long did the drug phase last for? Quite a while. What's quite a while? Uh, probably eight or nine years on, eight or nine on and off, years. which yeah. stops. Mm. And you were was still with Peter then? Or? Yes. So, yeah. so what made you finally give up? My children. How many children did you have by then? I had uh, Matthew, who lived mm. with his dad, yeah. and I had two others. Two others, yeah. right. And I've and now got five. Five. But <laughs> did it get to a stage where they knew what was going on? What, what, what was actual, the actual impetus to stop? Just got sick of the lifestyle, mm. being frightened all the time, getting paranoid of of getting caught, that mm. sort of thing. Mm. Um, 
before then I've kind of left out a period because I'm just answering yeah, questions. Yeah, but obviously yeah. there was the Whitlam years. Yes, yes. And that changed things a lot for me. And, How did that and, change things? Well, actually before that, I'd like to say the first time I became aware of mm. politics in any way was, um, I think I was about 16. It was when Clary O'Shea got arrested. Yes, yes. Tr- and, I mean, I had really didn't know anything about politics at mm. that point and didn't have much interest. Mm. And I just remember I was working in a milk bar mm. <laughs> and I remember um, just being amazed that this man had brought the whole of Melbourne to a halt. It wouldn't happen today. Well, no. You, you could jail a trade unions today and people would be cheering. It was so exciting. Mm. Half you know, a million people. And being a rebel, I think I yeah, just loved it. It. No. I just loved it and I remember following the story and I remember thinking if this guy has a heart attack <laughs> they're fucked yeah. <laughs> you know yeah. this whole place is going to shut yeah. down yeah. and yeah but uh, unfortunately or fortunately he got bailed fairly quickly and, yeah. and then I think well I, they knew they had to bail him out or they'd have a problem the yeah end, yeah happened. so that yeah. was exciting and I was also learning a little bit from my father-in-law mm-hmm. who was very staunch Labour union and so forth so I was sort of heading in the right Mm. direction and then of course there was the whole Whitlam thing Mm. which was really exciting so I was still with my husband Mm. when Whitlam got in and that was a huge thing because lots of our friends weren't going to have to go to Vietnam and that was really an exciting stage and I was with my next partner Peter Mm. when the dismissal and everything happened so by then I was listening I'd been to lots of moratorium marches and things but I was also engrossed in my own crap yeah, so when did your own crap come to an end, do you reckon? <laughs> um, what year? T- t- like, there were times where I went a year and things, but yeah. totally to yeah. an end, I think about 1979. 79. So yeah. it was a pretty, it was at least a decade, wasn't yeah. it? You were dabbling it in was. selling. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So once you come clean, yeah. how difficult is life? You've got three kids or four by now? I had three mm. and I had a Left Pete, Peter and I just drifted apart once yep. the drugs weren't involved. Drifted, yeah, yeah um, it was no big drama or no, anything, no. but we split up. Mm. And I ended up with a new partner, Michael, mm. that I was living in Brisbane at the time. Mm. And we came back to Melbourne and we were living with a couple of musician mm. friends of mine. Mm. Um, we didn't have anywhere to live at that point. And then we decided... What I needed was a ge- another geographical was to get out of Melbourne. Right. So we moved to Cockatoo. Mm-hmm. Um, that was 1982. Well, in those days, Cockatoo was a long way away. Today, it's basically a suburb of Melbourne. It was a little place there mm-hmm. with 600 people. Mm-hmm. I'd had a daughter in mm-hmm. 1982, right. Rebecca. We moved up there just in time for, for the, the fire. fires in '83. <laughs> That's good. right. Very That's good. That's right. You did well. Just in time. Yes. And what? Your place? You get burnt out? No. No. Right. No. We were renting, and mm. uh, I was still on the methadone program at that point. Right. And I used to, but the it could only happen in a small country town. The pharmacist and his wife took a bit of a shine to me, and right. they decided to give me a part-time job. Right. So I used to work for them and get my methadone at lunchtime and they were very, very kind to me and uh, yeah, I fitted right into that town. It Mm. was a place where a lot of people went to start new lives, (laughs) new marriages, whatever. 
far enough. Half away, that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, it was an hour's drive, but yeah. at first, you know, we did a lot of commuting, but then gradually mm. our lives were just in the area. Mm. And I had agreed to go there for a year, mm. but strangely enough, even after that relationship ended, I stayed there for over 20 years. 20 years it yep. took it to. Yeah. And what kept you there? You'd have, what, four kids by now you're looking after? Yes. Yep. Yes. Four. So, yeah. So yeah. after the fire, mm. uh, oh, sorry, that year of the fire, mm. my stepfather died mm. a few days after I had Rebecca right. and my mother died six weeks six later. later. Mm. Yeah, sort mm. of a broken mm. heart thing. Yeah. Mm. Um, so, yeah, well, we was, I had an office of housing place there, public Lock housing, right. four bedrooms, mm-hmm. uh, which was fantastic, brand new, moved yes. into it, yep. brand new. Um, the kids were all at school there. This was the heyday of public housing. Yes. You didn't have to beg or scrape. No, I was actually mm. offered. <laughs> yeah, you're offered, that's right, because people <laughs> because could see you're in a difficult fire. situation. Yeah, that's right. yeah. Um, so, yeah, that was a really stable time, even though that relationship broke down. I had part-time work in the mm. area. Mm. The kids were all at school. The younger kids, in a commu- I got into a community school mm. because being a bit of a... a the person I was, I didn't really want them in the system, system right. too early. <laughs> so when, when did you finally um, give up the methadone? Uh, it took me ages to get off it. Yeah, like it I came a down time. a mill at a time. Uh, so I think I started getting off it in 79, mm-hmm. and I don't think I was off it till 83. 83. So, it's, it was so a people, really people don't understand that it is no, a difficult, it difficult was very struggle. very difficult. I think it's easy. It's not. It's very hard. No, it wasn't the first time I'd been on it either, no, no, but it was the last. Hard. I decided it would be the last, so I decided it didn't matter how long it took because took, right. it was going to be the last time. Well, so, your kids were growing up. And, yeah, yeah. There's not yeah. much fun having a mum as a methadone. No, methadone. no, they didn't really understand. Although no. I did explain as they were old enough yeah. what was going, going on. on. I was pretty right. honest. So why did you leave this four-bedroom home in Cockatoo? Okay, so I lived there. All my children grew up there mm-hmm. uh, until there was just myself and my youngest son, Tim. Right. And he got into Melbourne Uni. He mm-hmm. was the first one of my children to get into uni. Yeah, right. Congratulations. Uh, yep, and Melbourne Uni mm-hmm. in particular. Mm-hmm. And uh, he didn't he didn't want to leave home, mm-hmm. but he didn't want to uh, have to travel yeah. either. So I ended up taking a really... I was also by this time studying, sorry. What were you studying? I was studying community development and um, what was called a a Diploma of Welfare Studies in those days. Mm -hmm. And uh, up until then... In, during those years, I was often an advocate for people. I was a bit of a bush lawyer. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> people would come to me yeah, right. when they had issues. A lot mm. of the young people I'd go to court for oh, and things right, like that, kids' right. friends and so mm-hmm. forth. And uh, I was getting near the end of my course and I just decided to take a leap of faith. I'd been on the pension mm-hmm. for years and, and years, years, working part-time, yep. um, and living in public housing, but I felt like I was just going to be stuck, that the last child was going to leave home and here I'd just be there. What year was this? uh, 1990? Tim's born in 83, so 2001. 2001, so you left Cockatoo in 2001? Yeah, yeah. So where'd you go? Mentone. (laughs) 
<laughs> it was a place that had what? cheap, reasonably cheap. Cheap, no, yeah, not anymore, but no, in those days. It yeah, was cheap like housing, that. and I was studying in Moorabbin. Right. So he was going to, he had two jobs. Mm. So oh, just a dog. Just a dog, a dog fight. We've got everything here. We've got <laughs> dog fights, llama fights, you name it, we've got it here. So he had two jobs. He mm. was working in the morning in the fruit shop before mm. school. Then he'd right. go to school. Then right. he'd work at the corner hotel yeah, at night. Right. And I was going to school and doing my placements and so on. Yeah. And then the second placement that I did employed me. Ooh. Part-time. They must have been impressed with you. They were. You would have been an old woman. I was 49. Well, that's what I mean. It's yeah. hard to get to yeah, work yeah. if you're over 40. I know, but yeah, so I was what, very... Con- very what lucky. was the second place? What was it? A task force. It was a drug and alcohol oh, agency. And, right. and despite my, my past, I didn't really think I'd be working in drug and alcohol, alcohol, even though it seems really obvious to other people. But No, no, it's not obvious because, you know, sometimes you just want to get... Yeah. Well away from it and, have, it and have nothing to do with it. That's right. But you once know, I got in there, I realised I had like, a lot like, to offer. Yeah, it's like people with certain disabilities. They say, why don't you work? And they say, well, what, what for? I've got nothing yeah. in common with these people, you know? So I ended up... Um, well, it's all right. I look at the clock. You relax. I ended up, um, yeah, working there first part-time. Mm. And then they offered me a full-time job. Mm. And that meant no more pension. Right. What, was, was, the, what was the full-time job? Was the title? Drug and alcohol counsellor. So, what? Tell me a, a day of a drug and alcohol counsellor. Well, How would it work? Uh, we we did forensic, which was people who um, had to come, obviously, because, because they're on an order yep. and so forth. So, a mixture of forensic and voluntary work. Mm. So, probably see five people a day for an mm. hour each. And what would you do in that hour? You'd find out, get a sense of, you'd, if, if you'd just met them, you'd assess them, you'd get a sense of where they were at, you'd find out what drugs they were using, mm. what their situation was, mm. talk about their mental health, all those mm. sorts of things, their living situation and so forth. Mm. And uh, But the first year was full on because the, um, the things you heard, nothing can protect prepare you for the things you hear, I guess. It is. It is. Because people with a drug issue normally have other issues. Oh, yeah. That's the whole point of it. And there are a lot of very unwell people Mm. coming in. Mm. Uh, Yeah, so... Did you you feel frightened? No, I had good supervision and Mm. sometimes I felt like I was a bit of an imposter. (laughs) Because everyone else seemed to be a social worker or a psychologist. They didn't have have life experience. No, no. But I guess I hadn't been exposed to that valuing of life experience experience before. before, And so I was there for quite a while. They ended up giving me a scholarship and Mm. I went and studied family therapy. Where did you study that? Uh, at a local... Uh, well, I'm actually now living three doors from the, the woman that I studied under, Claire Mirren Khan. So what, was it a private college? Yes. Right. Uh, it, it was accredited. It was one of the very few places that you could... I think it's the only place right. you could do it in a small environment. Right. And it was only if you already had a, a qualification. And what year was this? Not sure. 2005? Yes, say that. You you didn't have a qualification. I had my diploma. So that was enough. Yeah, and I also had to get Cert 4 in drug and alcohol, Mm -hmm. which became mandatory. Yeah. So I did that 
during my work right. as well. So once you got your uh, degree in family therapy, yeah. what, what did that mean? Was that a change of direction for you? Well, then um, my workplace, it was very lucky for me, mm. um, created a position which I was lucky enough to have, mm. which was running a program for women on methadone right. <laughs> who had babies and children. Sounds very familiar. <laughs> yes. It was, it was Sounds like... Sounds very familiar to me. It was a bit like someone had written a position description. For you, yeah. Maybe they had. Maybe somebody knew. Maybe they knew. had. Maybe, Maybe somebody knew. Yeah. Maybe somebody I had a very someone. supportive manager, and this had been a bit of a dream of his to right. create, you know, because, you know, there was so much child protection involvement with these mm. women, and um, I was always up for a fight. Right. You know, so I, I would... go to court on their I'd behalf. go to court. I would advocate on their behalf uh-huh. to the death. <laughs> Right, and how did that go? I loved it. So did you go, was the Raven Magistrates Court open then? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's the, not and a, the city. That can be a tough court, that one. Oh, there yeah. are some tough magistrates there. Yeah, this yeah. was mainly children's court, court. but also mm-hmm. these women had a lot of other, you know, yeah. family Famous violence, right. criminal issues, yeah. Yeah. and so forth. And yeah, I did that for, I was there for 12 years right. at that job, and I don't know how many years I did the, the women, but I was the only program of its type. So you did that for five days a week? Yeah. For 12 years? Probably about eight or nine years of the time. Did that actually have any impact on you personally? Oh, yes. Yeah, it was very stressful. It was sometimes wonderful. You know, Mm -hmm. I'd be at all these babies' births and... Mm -hmm. But I'd also occasionally lose a woman, mm. once, once a child, to cot death. Mm-hmm. Um, I really un- got to understand the power of the system mm-hmm. because these women were just considered the lowest. You know, you're a mother using drugs, yeah. you know, and pregnant. And so what do you mean the drugs. power of the system? I think people understand what you're talking okay. about. Okay. Uh, I guess we were up against the might of child protection and... and You'd read a report, mm. you know, that you'd go to court and the woman hadn't even received this report. She was right. meant to get it beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. And you'd receive it on the day of court and mm. read through it. And mm. it was like you were reading a story about a different mm. woman, Person, yeah. you know, and just their slant on things. And they yeah, had a real value, judgment. value judgments, their right. ability to make something out of mm. what right. if it wasn't a woman that was on methadone. Mm. I mean, if my mum fell asleep, in the, the nursery at the hospital, they yeah. were on drugs. If it was another mother, she was, tired. Ju- she was tired and exhausted, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> you yeah. know, and there was just, you know, I, I really... So what was it? Was it a catalogue of little things which they were using? Well, I never had a woman that harmed her child mm. in the whole time I was working there, mm. ever. Okay, just want to be really clear on that. Mm. But it was things based on past history, mm. on their drug use. Often they'd had previously had children removed Move, because yeah, of their drug, drug use. use, often domestic violence issues, housing mm. issues, mm. and often, you know, they were estranged from family, yeah. and we were it, really, in terms of mm. their supports. How common is it for women in this situation to have their children removed? Very common. What, 50%, or 90%? 
uh, well, see, we had a lot of success with the program, mm-hmm. so I couldn't say. No. But um, I found that the women that stuck with the program didn't get their children removed. Uh, also, I made um, good contacts with, for instance, the high-risk infant worker for yep. the area, yep. and she came to trust my judgment, judgment after right. she got to know me and things like that, mm. where I could really advocate for mm. women. Uh, yeah. Is is that joke about a rottweiler and a social worker real then? I don't know that joke. You have to remind <laughs> me. <laughs> well, I thought it's pretty common in your field of endeavour. It's what's the difference between a social worker and a rottweiler? What? The rottweiler eventually lets go of the child. Yes, probably. <laughs> how, probably. how difficult is it for women who've had their children removed oh, by the state so to, to, no, to to have them reunited? It's not impossible. It depends if they've been um, put on a permanent order. Mm. As you might know, in Sydney now, children mm. that are, are getting re- uh, removed are getting adopted mm, after right. a very short while, yeah, which is yeah. really cruel. It's in my cruel. experience, children always want to be with their parents, mm. no matter who those parents are. Bad. Well, like your experience. That's they right, always come back. Mm. Yeah, mm. and my son too. My mm. son that was brought up by his father ended up coming back when mm. he was as soon as he was old enough no, he ended up coming, coming back, back. Yeah. yeah and uh yeah so it, it was hard work but really rewarding work rewarding, a lot of hours yeah. and i was very autonomous which i love mm. i don't like being stood over yes, i like being yes, left yeah. to work so was it a private organization you were working no for? government government funded. funded and they gave yeah. you that autonomy yeah. Because obviously they realise you've got to be a maverick in order to, <laughs> in order to get, get results. Well, they've only, they've got a, obviously there's a new worker now. I did mm. get burnt out in yes, the end. Yes. She still keeps in touch with me oh. if someone dies or gets Let better you know. or yeah. whatever. Yeah, yeah. let you know. Yeah. So what have you been doing the last few years? So then I moved on to Flat Out. What's Flat Out? That's a, a, a organisation that works with women mm. leaving prison. Right in homelessness Mm -hmm. and I felt when I went there that they were because the issue for me with the the previous employer although it was a great agency on a Mm. lot of levels Mm. they didn't ever have a political voice they never argued um, with government or put anything in in terms no. of changing things. No, they just did their jobs within the parameters that were available And the more I was doing the job, the mm. more political I was becoming, becoming right. and understanding how things work. And, and, you know, you'd go to court with these women. You go into the children's court any morning, you won't find a well-dressed, wealthy woman there. They no. don't get their children removed. No. You know, it's Aboriginal women. It's It's women that are poor Mm. that get their children removed. Mm. And I don't believe for one minute that they're worse mothers than them. They just don't have the resources Resources to cover up. To cover up, exactly. Yeah. 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 how do you think things are today? Do you think there's been any improvement? I think it's a cruel, harsh, bloody environment we're living in. You think it's right worse? Now. Oh, way worse. Yeah. Harder to get housing, mm. people sleeping on the streets yep. that we're tripping yep. over. Well, this morning at our public housing protest, which you do on the steps of Parliament yep. House, you had five or six people sleeping rough within 30 metres of Parliament it. House. And that would have never happened no, once. There'd be no. so much help. That's right. And the Salvation Army Doss House was just packed. 
And, and, and there were, that's why I said Doss House, okay? <laughs> and uh, it was packed with people, yeah. you know, who were just yeah. there for a bit of protection. And there's everywhere you And see. prison is mm. overflowing, mm. you know, yeah. like so getting to understand the, the mm. situation with women in prison and, mm. and that they're there because basically they haven't got housing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, that they're yeah. there on remand. Because remember, they don't have housing. I remember uh, Fairley, where yeah, you may have yes. had 25, 30 women yes, in prison. Yes, I went and to Fairley to visit and people. And when you now you go past Deer Park, it's a kilometre long, yeah. and that's the women's prison. Yeah, yeah. Hundreds, if not thousands. And there's there. very few women in there for serious crimes. Mm, you mm. know, they're property crimes and they're drug crimes, mm. and they're to do with domestic violence. Of course, there's some people in there for murder. Murder, yeah, but that's, they've murdered that's their not, husband. Yeah. Or whatever, yeah. but in in general, most women that are there, you know, and every time I don't know if I've got time to say this, but every time a woman goes to prison, mm. her whole family she loses everything. everything she loses her children, her mm. housing, her family, yeah. and it's a huge, huge thing to do to a woman mm. with children to put them in prison. If you had a magic wand and you got sixty seconds, yes, what would you do oh. to? <laughs> Address this issue. I'd make everyone kind and compassionate. Make everybody kind and compassionate. And they'd let the refugees out and they'd care about these people that are much You're right, people are very hard. And they're hard because we've created that environment. I don't know how we have. Well, we have because we've allowed this type of economic system to just dominate our thinking. And it rules us and dominates and it is heartbreaking, especially for people our age, not Dale's age, who knew much, much better. Yeah. And you're a and you're a classic example of what happens if things fall the right way for an individual, yeah. which they did for you in many cases. In the it? end, they did. Yeah, yeah. yeah Although absolutely. you put some effort into it. <laughs> I mean, that house was there with the four bedrooms. I'm, I'm you know? very great. You know, I'm grateful mm. for it. You know, mm. I had great people in my life too mm. that have helped me along the way. Mm. So, yeah, I'm very grateful. Well, Lainey, thank you for coming thank in. You. Lainey Elaine Cruz, it thank was a pleasure you. talking to Thanks, you. Joe. I think with people like you around. We'll get there. Thank you, Dale. Thank you very much for all your hard work today. All the best. And we'll be here next week.
like a spider. 